Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, and his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, I have a delight today. I'm hosting a good friend of mine, Dr. Matt Clark, and Matt's uh, an allergist from down around Aiken, South Carolina, North Augusta, I believe would be more accurate. So welcome, my brother. Robert, it's so good to be with you again. Uh, Thank you for having me on your wonderful podcast. Well, tell my, my listening audience a little bit about yourself and your practice your background, your training, and a little bit about your family. I think they'd all they'd like to know a, a little bit about you. Sure, sure. First of all, I became a Christian uh, right at the very beginning of medical school, August 23rd, 1991. The Lord saved me from my sins, and um, I really praise the Lord also that on that same day, my, my dear wife was saved that same day, and uh, he has blessed us through the years. with. Now, did y'all know each other at that time? Yes, yes, we have been together for six years as non-Christians, mm-hmm. and uh, the Lord saved us on that day and brought us to Himself, and both of us were really one of those kind of radical overnight conversion experiences for both of us. And that's <clears throat> interesting. And He's been faithful to us, to, as the Word says, to finish that which He started. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. How about that? How about that? And he's blessing us to continue to grow together as husband and wife. We have 11 children. Our Oldest is 27, and our youngest just turned five yesterday. And uh, So far, praise be to God, they're all voicing their faith in Christ and seeking to walk with Him, and just uh, very grateful for the Lord's goodness to us. And I um, graduated from the Medical College of Georgia in 1995, and then I was in the Navy for eight years. The Navy paid for medical school for me, and then I paid them back with time served. And while I was in the Navy, I completed the Navy's aerospace medicine residency program, which included a master's in public health from the Harvard School of Public Health. And then I worked as a flight surgeon for a number of years for a helicopter training squadron down in Pensacola. It was a wonderful job. When I finished up uh, in the Navy in 2003, I came back here to uh, Augusta, Georgia, for my pediatrics residency for three years and then two years of training in allergy. And in 2008, I started my practice um, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful, joyful time. Covenant Family Allergy over here in North Augusta since 2008. And uh, I'm also a pastor ordained in the Presbyterian Church. And our church is out in Edgefield. Uh, it's a, a wonderful little community of worship and praise to the Lord. And we have a wonderful time together. And uh, I'm the executive director of Personhood South Carolina. I think I've been doing that since like two, uh, 2015. And so we just try to serve the Lord in every way we can. And you know, use all the gifts and talents and skills and weaknesses uh, that he's given to us to serve him, Robert. Now, Edgefield is the headquarters of the National Wild Turkey Federation. Is that correct? That is true. How about that? I wonder how many of our listening audience even knew that. <laughs> there you go. It's right down there. I've been over there to their uh, display uh, many times. It's a, it's a wonderful place. Well, now listen, um, we... We've, we've uh, got a concern here that, that's um, of interest to the both of us, and that's about the COVID shots and its safety record and how it affects 
pregnancy in particular. And one of the questions I have is why your organization, the South Carolina Personhood Organization, and the National Personhood Alliance, uh, of which the South Carolina Personhood is affiliated, why are they interested at all in the COVID shot, its safety record in pregnancy, and, and, and how do you answer that question? Well, that's a good question, Robert, because traditionally personhood organizations, both at state and national level, have been primarily focused on ending uh, the killing of our brothers and sisters, our neighbors uh, inside the womb. And the personhood effort is if we can have the law recognize that our neighbors inside the womb are persons, then they will be uh, granted equal protection under the law. And so the personhood movement has its roots in the effort to protect the personhood rights of our neighbors inside the womb. And the personhood worldview has its roots in the scriptures where we see the Lord teaching us that we as human beings are made in his image. And because of that, we are to protect one another and look out for one another and not allow for one another to be unjustly treated. And so when we started noticing what was going on with these uh, these vaccines and and i must say it's it's worth noting that it's legitimate uh, controversy whether these shots should be actually termed as vaccines yeah i call Um, them a genetic therapeutic agent yeah so you know that's that's a different conversation but these shots we started noticing uh, these major safety signals and we also noticed that it appears as though a kind of a dehumanizing approach to this is underway in that uh, good scholarly careful studies were not done to prove the safety of this item before it was released onto the public. And so uh, we believe that anytime you experiment on human beings who do not agree to be experimented upon, that you are uh, dehumanizing that individual and violating the basic principles of morality and and um, other documents that have been set throughout history, such as the, the Nuremberg Code, which specifically talked about the what what is and what is not ethical medical research. So unethical medical research is dehumanizing and treats our neighbors as if they're less than persons, less than humans. It actually treats them more like you, you treat animals a lot of times in, in the animal phases of studies. That's right. It's treating our patients as experimental subjects without their permission and without their exactly. knowledge. Exactly. That's right. Well, my patients were asking me immediately when the COVID shots became available, should they take them? And I, universally, I told them no. I said, look, I've been doing this for 42 years, and I've seen lots of vaccines and medications come on the market. And I've never recommended any vaccine or medication until it's been on the market for a year. And my patients say, why? And I say, because even though they've gone through trials, there have been lots of medications and vaccines that are recalled within six months to a year because there, there are adverse events that appear when they're first on the market that did not appear during their safety trials. For example... The rotavirus, Rotatech, was a vaccine that was pulled very quickly. 
the H1N1 vaccine was pulled within uh, six months or less uh, because of 42 deaths. And I told my patients, do not take that COVID vaccine uh, until it's been on the market for a year. Well, guess what? Within six months, we began noticing safety signals, serious adverse events to that COVID vaccine or so-called vaccine. And I told my patients, look, I told you so. I told you not to take that vaccine until it had been on the market for a year. And many of them came back to me and told me that their family members had been taking the vaccine and were having serious, serious adverse events. That's a great point, Robert, that uh, often we're not really going to notice safety signals uh, present in even well-designed clinical trials. Uh, we won't necessarily see those safety signals until it's put into kind of real-world usage. That's right. And see, this this vaccine wasn't studied, but for six months before it was released onto the market, most vaccines are studied for 10 years minimum before they're released on the market. Yes, exactly. That's why I think we can accurately say that this is um, probably the largest um, involuntary human medical experiment that's ever been concocted. That's exactly right. Well, now, what what about my next question to you is, are COVID jabs safe in pregnancy? That I think that's the concern that I have in my heart. When we're talking about personhood, our concern for the unborn children of South Carolina, are the COVID jabs safe in pregnancy? Well, the burden of proof rests with the manufacturer and with the governmental agencies that are going to approve this item and any other item. So the the question is, has this vaccine been proven safe, this jab, this uh, genetic injection, has it been proven safe in pregnancy in, in human beings? And the answer is unequivocally no. It has not been proven safe. All you got to do is go to the initial Pfizer data and you can see that it was excluded. Pregnant and nursing women, pregnant women and also nursing women, were specifically excluded from the study. So pregnant women have not been studied. And that's why we can say that it was an experiment for the CDC and the FDA and other organizations in our nation, such as ACOG and the American Academy of Pediatrics and uh, American Academy of Family Physicians, all of these organizations got on board and recommended these injections for pregnant women. Can you believe that? Even though these vaccines, these jabs have never been studied in pregnant women. Well, it made me ill when I began to see the recommendations for pregnant women because I knew they'd never been studied adequately or at all. And I, I began to pull my hair out when I began to see the recommendations that the jabs be given to pregnant women. And I said, how can they do this? It's never been researched, never been studied. When have, right. have you accumulated any kind of data to, to support your concern? Well, all you have to do is, um, you know, if we go chronologically, all you have to do is go back to the 90-day the safety rollout from Pfizer themselves. Their own post-authorization data gave strong signals against safety in pregnancy. So there were uh, 270 pregnancies identified. So these were women who had who were in the um, vaccine trial, and they didn't 
they weren't pregnant or they didn't know they were pregnant at the beginning of the trial. And so they inadvertently received this um, trial jab while they were pregnant. And it wasn't until 90 days afterwards that they discovered that they had these women that who, that who were a part of it. Uh, women, women who were pregnant. Women who were pregnant. That's right. And so there were 270 vaccine-exposed pregnant women in the first 90 days of rollout. And 124 of those, according to their own data, that's 46%, reported some sort of adverse event. And those were kind of all across the board. There were 32 vaccine-exposed pregnancies that did have reported pregnancy outcomes. So of those 270, there were 32 that had reported pregnancy outcomes. And their own data reports that 26 of those 32 experienced miscarriage. Mm-hmm. That's 81% in their own data. So it's pretty shocking that we would read in Pfizer's own words in this same report that there were no safety signals that emerged from the review of these cases of use in pregnancy, especially given that they didn't have any safety data to rely on from their original clinical trial. So this is uh, this is shocking uh, that, that it's right there in their own data. But now even beyond that, there was a study that came out in December of 2022, and the lead author is a maternal fetal medicine specialist, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, James Thorpe, I think is his first name is James, uh, Dr. Thorpe from down in the panhandle of Florida. And they looked at uh, adverse events in the CDC VAERS system, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. And they found that pregnancy complications and menstrual abnormalities are significantly more frequent following COVID-19 vaccinations than following influenza vaccines during pregnancy. And the CDC itself, uh, this proportional risk, risk ratio that they have, they say if it's two or greater, it's a safety signal that requires further study. So these authors went in and used the CDC's definition and found that this uh, ratio was far higher than two uh, on, on so many of these different uh, events, such as menstrual abnormalities, miscarriage, fetal chromosomal abnormalities, fetal malformations, uh, fetal cardiac arrest, fetal heart disorders, uh, fetal growth abnormalities, um, placental thrombosis, uh, preeclampsia, premature delivery, preterm premature rupture of membranes, fetal death and stillbirth, and uh, premature baby death. So they went in and looked at the data from VAERS and did the kind of typical study that should have been done by somebody at the CDC and showed very clearly that these safety signals on all of these different major serious adverse events are through the roof. And the CDC and the FDA are just sitting there doing nothing about it. And I think this article has a very, very reasonable recommendation, a worldwide moratorium on the use of COVID-19 vaccines in pregnancy. That's right. Very, very reasonable. Yeah, I mean, it's just we gotta we gotta stop this. And it, uh, it would it would be malpractice after that study for any national organization to still recommend the vaccine, COVID vaccine in pregnant women. It's hard to believe. You know, um the uh, other nations, uh, other agencies as well, 
So, for example, in the United Kingdom, their Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency uh, says it's considered that sufficient reassurance of safe use of the vaccine in pregnant women cannot be provided at the present time. And so a response that I've heard is, well, those numbers don't prove it's being caused by the vaccine. And those people are thinking, people who argue that are thinking upside down. The burden of proof rests with the CDC and the FDA and the the vaccine vaccine. manufacturers and ACOG and AAP and AAFP and other organizations. The burden of proof rests with them to show evidence that this this jab is safe. I mean, the the World Council of Health has also called for a ban on COVID-19 vaccines in pregnancy. So. There are people all over the world who are looking at the United States and just shaking their heads saying, what are they doing yep. in the United States of America? It's craziness. And those of us who are concerned about the life of our unborn neighbors, our unborn citizens are crying foul. Hey, you got to stop promoting these vaccines for pregnant women. And yet the CDC and many of our major organizations are still promoting the vaccine, the COVID shots for pregnant women. And that is just beyond my understanding. It's very simple. No clinical trial has been done testing the safety of this jab in pregnant women. Number one, that's number one. Number two, we have very serious safety signals, even from the Pfizer data. And now with more recent data going up to December of 2022, and both of those sets of data tell the same story, that something is not right. There are safety signals here. And we don't even have the reassuring like we should have before something like this comes to market, uh, some sort of reassurance with the clinical trial data. That's absent. And so, yeah, this is um, an astonishing breach of scholarship, an astonishing breach of science. And, uh, you know, we re- we really need to kind of beat the drum on this and get the word out. All right. Well, what what is the thing that should be done now, Dr. Clark? Um, we were, we're listening to Dr. Matt Clark. He's a allergist from North Augusta in South Carolina and also the CEO or director of the South Carolina Personhood Organization. What do you think we should do now? Well, I mean, a couple of another question that comes to mind as I ponder this is why are these organizations continuing to call for pregnant women, pregnant women to receive these dangerous vaccines. I mean, if you go to the CDC website, it's still calling for vaccine after vaccine, uh, you know, for, for pregnant women. And, and children. Uh, their, and children. I looked at their website. They recommend the, these jabs for everyone age six months and older, including people who are pregnant, breastfeeding, trying to get pregnant, or those who might become pregnant. And this recommendation includes getting boosters when it's time to get one. And these, and it says, quote, CDC recommendations align with those from professional medical organizations serving people who are pregnant. And so we have to ask ourselves, what in the world are they looking at? What are they now, they do, they do cite some, some animal data that is somewhat reassuring, but animal data cannot be enough reassurance to continue giving these shots to pregnant women. And so I think we just need to, as physicians, Robert, you and me, we want to communicate with our colleagues. We want to get the word out to everyone that we can talk to, our elected officials, and say, hey, why are you still letting this happen? 
why why is this this jab that has never been studied in women why is it being allowed to be recommended in pregnant women why is it being allowed to be recommended to pregnant women what why are we allowing for this and i think the the article uh, really sums it up we need to call for a, a, a certainly within our nation and uh, really a worldwide moratorium on the use of these jabs in pregnancy um so we just need to we need to stop it and we need to spread the word well maybe you and i need to start an initiative and get a uh, a group of doctors to sign a paper and send it to the CDC and DHEC in South Carolina. And I, me and you just have to talk about that after our program today. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. You know, in terms of strategizing and, and how to get the word out and how to make it stop, I mean, there's probably a bunch of different ways to, to go through that process. But certainly conversations like this and podcasts like yours are part of getting the truth out to people on this. Yeah, we need to, need to sound the alarm. Well, um, yep. um, uh, anything else you'd like to say before we conclude, Dr. Clark? Well, I think this uh, issue with the uh, jabs is um, one example in this whole story, these jabs in, in pregnancy, in this whole story that has sadly, for me as a physician, and I'm sure for you as well, uh, really, really damaged, damaged the credibility of the CDC, the NIH, the FDA, and other uh, non even you know non governmental organizations as well uh, that are not standing on the truth. They are not standing on science, and they're not acting the way that traditionally has been required to do good medicine. And as we all know from our Hippocratic oath, the very first thing is what first do no, no harm. harm. That's right. First do, do no, no harm. harm. And so now we've got these organizations that are pretty much just ignoring that that sacred precept of our profession. And it's uh, for me, it's very um, worrisome and discouraging. And I pray to the Lord and I, I ask the Lord, I cry out to the Lord that he would expose these evil deeds of darkness right. and, and right. cause all of these schemes, whatever's going on, whatever the reasons are that this is happening. They would be exposed and good people in positions of authority would be able to make this stop. Well, it's not enough for us just to go tisk tisk. This shouldn't be happening. We do have to uh, work to expose the evil deeds of darkness. And I trust that those who are listening would be willing to join hands with yourself and myself and other uh, legit authorities to expose the evil deeds of darkness. Well, you're listening to More Than Medicine. My guest today is Dr. Matt Clark. He's an allergist from North Augusta, South Carolina. Matt, I'm honored to have you as my guest. I pray the Lord would bless you and bless your family. Thank you, Robert. What a joy to be with you again, brother. Thank you, sir. This is an addendum to my interview with Dr. Matt Clark. He called me after the interview to say that he believed he had misspoken during the interview in which he said that he thought that he said that pregnant women in the Pfizer data had inadvertently received the vaccine during the clinical trial. He called to tell me that that was not true. In fact, the data from Pfizer about pregnancy issues is from the first 90 days of the vaccine rollout. The data was not from the trial. It was from the first 90 days of the vaccine rollout. He wanted to make sure that the listening audience understood that correction. 
and to make sure that he had not misspoken during our interview. I appreciate him contacting me because, as always, we try to be as accurate as possible during our podcast. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.